This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Thanks for tuning into the Southern Way podcast on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Haslam, and on this show, we cover all things hunting culture across the South, tips, tactics, and skills to better your pursuit. And of course, we'll do things the Southern Way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Southern Way Podcast. I'm Mark Haslam, and I've got on the line Larry White from South Carolina. Hey, Larry, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, we um, we spoke, I had you on uh, my other podcast, Southeast Whitetail, maybe a year or so ago, and that was that was one of the better episodes, I, I thought. Um and you're the only oh, guy, sure. only wild game cook I've I've interviewed, and really you're about the only one I follow these days. I I used to follow more on social media, but for whatever reason, I just you know stopped following certain people. And you're you're one of the only ones that I still follow um, and enjoy your content. I appreciate it. I appreciate can you, that. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Larry, and kind of what you do and um, a little background? Yeah, um, ex-chef, uh, cooked in the Coast Guard, uh, restaurant industry, kind of hopped all over the place, um, owned a food truck, personal chef, kind of all that stuff. Um, did that for a while, then uh, ended up in the city, moving out to rural South Carolina, quit the, chef, quit the chef gig, and, you know, basically making a living, creating content, and, and cooking now these days from home. I like it. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a fun follow uh, with you. And you, you've got some land that you hunt on, right? At your at your home site. Yeah, we've got about forty acres total, and about mm-hmm. um, thirty of it's huntable. That's nice that to have something that close. You know, I, I, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's nice in one way, but on the other hand, it might maybe a little like, for instance, if I, if I could hunt on my home site, I would probably be overdoing it. You know, I'd probably be hunting too much or, you know, I wouldn't let, uh, I would probably be doing probably too much pressure on the property if I was that close. (laughs) Mine, I I think my downfall was the opposite. (laughs) And honestly, uh, it actually led me to hunt public land more believe it or not like i was so scared to pressure the land yeah that man i've I've probably put in 30 days on public land this year and about five in my house well let's 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 jump right into it um so i mean not only are you you know a big wild game chef but you also do a lot of hunting 
and you you you, yeah. you get in there and hunt a lot of public land, low country marshes. Can you t- can you kind of give us a recap about, about your past season, the twenty three season, um, success, failures, fun hunts? How to get yeah, out? Ended up uh, overall, it took two two bucks on public land, blue opportunity on one. Um, got a couple does on my property. Um, yeah, it, it was fun, man. I uh, I think it was around mid October. I grunted one. Grinding mm-hmm. one in um, off a new track in uh, public and uh, lost the interest after about 15 minutes, my own fault. And then I looked up to go look at my phone and the buck was standing right next to me and <laughs> tried calling it back in, blew that one. And I killed one, I think, uh, first week of November. And then I killed another buck uh, December 12th. Nice. On, on public. So what? Yeah, those not- are. I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. I would say there; those are both uh, super fun hunts, and uh, yeah, just I don't know, just, you know how it is out there, but I have to grind for it. <laughs> That's right. Not uh, I. I don't want to know exactly where you were hunting, obviously, but can you can you describe to us the public land? Um, what's it look? I mean, kind of basic terrain because. Would I see what you post online, your stores and whatnot? And it looks like you're in some really kind of deep low country terrain, maybe marshes, just thick palmettas. Um, yeah, yeah, I hunt the uh, national forest um, around here, and it's mm-hmm. pr- pretty huge. There's not many people out there, as far as I can see. But uh, kind of my method is I'll. I'll look for kind of secluded areas that have logging roads that are preferably closed. And I'll just kind of look for three or more different types of habitat habitats kind of combined together. And I'm, I'm trying to like basically find like an old clear cut, a burn mixed in with maybe a uh, pine stand next to it. And then maybe some lowland. I try to like find three or four of those in one area mm-hmm. and I'll kind of, dive in there and just kind of go from there with my scout. And that's kind of how usually I start. I like it, man. That, that, that's a, that's a, that's a smart way of doing it. Finding it, finding an edge or just a, you know, a a transition between, you know, one or more, excuse me, two or more habitats. That's a, that's a, that's definitely a good strategy. I like that. Um, It's, 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 it's paid off and uh, the map's, you know, obviously help out a lot. You know, I can pinpoint one of those areas that has three or more of those features, man. I just kind of go to there and if it works, it doesn't, you know, move on. That, that, you know, that, that's one of the things about hunting, man, is in the South, Southeast, man, where a lot of times, you know, you can look at an aerial map and all you see is green. Um, <laughs> but if you really, you know, once you start to hunt, you'll notice, well, this green's a little bit darker. These are planted pines. Yep. This is mixed hardwoods. This was an old clear cut. And, you know, I know that we, you know, obviously we don't have the type of terrain features and funnels and pinch points um, in the ag that like the Midwest has. But when you start to learn those features, like what you're talking about, it it, it can be deadly, especially when you go in an area like that and you see fresh sign, tracks, rubs, droppings, whatever yeah. it is. Um, because I think a lot of hunters, if they don't, if, if they're not at that 
at that level of what you're talking about, being able to read that kind of stuff, they're going to overlook that, those those areas, which is even better. That's going to play into Yeah, I did it more. for years. I, I did it for years, man. I took, um, yeah. you know, I was studying content that was basically for Midwestern huntings or kind of ag country and just wasn't having success. And, I mean, I literally – broke down those maps and uh probably wasn't the safest thing to do but at the end of the season i would literally take a shotgun and would be trying to hike through this nasty stuff trying to find transitions all other stuff and then i kind of you know it took me a few years of doing that at the end of the season and finally switched my whole game up and it you know changed my whole view of hunting down here so when you hunt that way on public land are you getting i mean are you getting elevated what's your do you have a stand a climber uh, a saddle. I, I I used to use a little bit of everything, man. I used a mm-hmm. climber, uh, hang on saddle. Then now I'm very minimalistic and it has nothing to do with weight. It's more um, I want to be everything as compact as possible. So when I'm yeah. brush busting, I kind of get to that first thirty or forty yards to get to where I'm going. Um, I want to be compact. So I'm I'm running a, a saddle and I use two cut down 14 inch mini sticks with two eighters. I'm only getting about 10 feet off the ground. I like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I tend to only get height, um, when I need it, you know, I, I, I bait yeah. meaning, I basically kind of go up as far as I need to, to kind of get that extra concealment, yeah. go up under a branch or something like that. If I, if I need to go way high, I will, but I'm not looking to, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that's by him. Yeah, I like that. And so, what what? So when you when you're hunting like that, are you going pretty? Are you going pretty deep off the off the trail, off the parking lot, or what? What do you? I guess I'm getting at is is it when you kill something, are you dragging it out? Do you have a you know a little sled, or you but are you quartering it up, or how how do you get the the deer out? Yeah, I'm basically dragging it from because mostly i'm i'm off of closed logging roads and i'm usually going and off that logging road man anywhere from 50 yards to a half a mile so i'll just drag it myself to the logging road and then i i have a game card one of those big gorilla carts and i go in um like the last buck i killed in december was it was a mile back just down the logging road and then another 100 yards off the logging road uh, so it was a lot of walking it's about a, a few miles just to get that <laughs> thing out of there yeah, that's that's one of the that's one of the downsides. I mean, I've I've had to rig up like a bungee cord and like a rope and bungee cord like a big log to drag it out. And um, one time I used my um, my safety harness and just you know took the took the, took the strap. You know, I, I kept it on and then kept and, and had a strap coming coming from coming from my shoulders and then hooked it around the antlers. And just kind okay, of yeah. drug it out that way, using my body to to uh, drag it out. That that was probably the better. That, that's one of the that was one of the better uh, ideas of dragging it out. Because I mean, sometimes it just gets it gets it can it can, it can get pretty brutal um, when you just have dead weight dragging out. Um, yeah, I tried that with my with my saddle. It didn't work out too good. I stopped halfway, just went back to the truck and got my cart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I know you. I know you hunt pigs. Um, and I 
You shot some this year, right? Some wild pigs. Did you? Yeah, I've um, I shot one on the way in, uh, one morning going down the long road. Uh, it's basically first light, and I kind of mm-hmm. saw something moving in a ditch, and literally was almost walked on top of it. It was probably like ten or twelve yards. Uh, ended up shooting that one. Um, I see them all the time in public land. Most of the time I don't shoot them um, just because I'm after deer. Um, I'll go yeah. in after the season and try to hunt them with like a 22 mag or something. But uh, I've got a press level on my property, man. Like I'm pretty close to a lot of low land and I've got pigs running through here almost every day. <laughs> yeah, I think I see one behind you right now. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> so when you, um, when you shoot a pig, and this is kind of ultimately what I'm getting at is the, you know, wild pork, venison, you know, everything after the shot. Are you doing anything anything differently when you shoot a pig as 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 opposed to shooting a deer? You know, as far as bushering it, uh, you know, everything leading up to putting it in your freezer. Are you are, are you doing anything different? Uh, shot placements these days is big for me, man. It's it's headshots every yeah. every time, every single time. Um, yeah. The only pigs I've ever lost were not headshots. And I don't do headshots on deer at all um i mean it's man if, if you've ever you probably already cleaned a ton but like just that their skin has that thick plate on it you know and it traps so much heat um um even if it's cold outside i'm still uh, in kind of a hurry to get the, the skin off man because it's so thick and hard it's like i don't see a lot of the, the heat you know coming out of there so that's probably the number one thing is like, no matter what the conditions are, I pretty much try to get the skin off right away. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, as far as pigs, you got to shoot them, shoot them in the head. I mean, you've got such a big target. It, it's like a, it's just like a continuation of the shoulder almost. I mean, it's nothing like shooting, nothing like trying to shoot a, a deer in, in the head, like what you said, which is, you know, it's, there's an extremely low, low risk or low probability kill shot. You know, the pig's neck's not really moving as much as a deer. I, I just asked that question, Larry, because I, you know, you and I and everyone everyone listening has heard all, all those old, you know, wives' tales about, you know, this and that with hunting and moon phase and, um, oh, you yeah. know, every little thing. And people would talk about, at least when I was growing up, that, I mean, some people were just adamant that you could not eat wild pigs in the south especially the ones that are like coastal what they're eating i i, I mean I, that's far from the truth i've ate them my whole life but then some people say if it's a boar you know you're gonna uh cut the cut the nuts off and then you know or like, yeah. slip, the, or like slip the throat and this and that and drain the blood and I, I, i'm not saying there's no I don't think they're going to harm anything, but I've never, I've never noticed anything like that. I mean, definitely the blood that you went after you pour skin and hang it, you want to drain all the blood out, but everything else like that, it's like people that were just trying to think of ways to maybe t- make the meat taste better, but the, but maybe they're just doing things that will make the t- meat taste bad, like a bad shot or like you said, yeah. letting the animal sit for a couple hours before you clean it, and maybe you don't let the blood dry, dry, you know, actually drain out. Excuse me, and all that can definitely add it, add the flavor. I would think. 
Yeah, uh, I was actually talking to my buddies about that. And um, I think with pigs, you know, most of the, the cuts on a pig that you're going to eat kind of right away, just as a steak, you're not masking any of the flavors or doing too much to it or the tenderloins. You know, if you let a pig sit and even 40 degree weather and all those guts are heating up and just heating up those tenderloins, by the time you grill one of those things up, it's going to have off. They're going to have off taste. So. Yeah. You're, you're right, man. That's, that's one of the things, things about tenderloins and, and, you know, every now and then we'll be at my place and someone will make a bad shot, shoot a deer far back gut shot. And maybe it takes a little bit to find it. Who knows what? And if that, if those guts are blown up, I mean, it's not disgusting, but I mean, those tenderloins are, are just, are just soaking in that matter. And I mean, like I've, I've, I've saved that meat before. And it's just once that, once it's in the meat, you just can't get it out. And furthermore, I don't really know if you would want me, it, it, I mean, as far as a health concern, I don't think you would want to either. Um, but yeah, I, I just add, ask them about pigs. Cause I mean, there, there's such a stigma about wild pigs. Um, you know, as far as, you know, eating it, this and that, I mean, are, are there, is there, are there any cuts of a wild pig that you just won't mess with? Or do you pretty much, you know, just take it all and cook it up? I I cook it all, man. Like I haven't found, I mean, you can run across some stinky ones, man, but like if it's a good pig, it's a good pig. Everything on it's going to taste. Yeah. It's going to taste good. Um, I've got a buddy that's supposed to report back. He, uh, <laughs> we shot a boar the other night that had some, uh, uh, some quavos that were, pretty massive and uh he's gonna be the first one to try to cook those nice <laughs> uh yeah so <laughs> well cool yeah i mean i i i haven't done i used to do when i was younger a lot more uh spot spot and stalk uh pig hunts you know kind of coastal georgia that was always a lot of fun um talking about skinning and pigs and deer Every now and then I'll come across someone or see a, something on social media. Not that much, but people will, they will leave the hide on a deer when they, you know, they, they gut it, leave the hide on and they hang it up in a walk-in cooler. And the justification is, is that it, it ages the meat better. Um, and I, and I know some older guys and I mean, I, I can think of one biologist that I know personally that, you know, still does it to, 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 to this day. Do you, what's your thoughts on that? I, I don't do it. Um, I, my father is allergic to deer hair, so we don't necessarily want the deer mm. hair in our walk-in cooler. Plus we try to keep as clean as possible. And, you know, if you're not clean the hide off, I mean, what, you know, it's just, other contaminants in there, but could that possibly make a difference? You think? Um, I know a lot of people like doing it that way simply for the fact that you don't really have to worry about developing the rind on the, like if you're doing a hind quarter. Okay. So you're not losing as much. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know from a scientific standpoint, but if you have that, you know, the hide still on there, I don't know if that helps concentrate, you know, the natural enzymes or whatever. And it helps, break down the meat further I, i'm not sure on that one but i haven't personally tasted i've tasted it both ways and i haven't seen any true benefit besides waste uh, with doing it hide on yeah i 
I've never come across anything. I just ask. I I think it's one of those where it's just, you know, someone's personal preference and, you know, what they like to do. Or I, I, you know, I have always thought about, you know, all the blood draining out because, you know, we'll, when we skin a deer, just like everybody else, you know, you skin it, gut it completely, kind of maybe hose it off if you, if you need to, it, it is hair on the meat or extra, extra blood or whatever. And it's, you know, it's done dripping blood, right? When you put it in, in the walking cooler, we'll usually put like a big commercial pan underneath it. But it's amazing how much more blood will still drip out of the meat well after you've cleaned oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good amount. And, you know, over the next probably 24 hours hanging up. So to me, like all that blood, I mean, all that's not going to drain out if the hide's still on, I would think. I'm sure we get some, but just not all of it. That's what I worry about. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Is the blood? I mean, is the blood and the meat not one of the main things? Is this going to affect the taste, or am I off on that? It would, yeah, it would give it more of a like a minerally taste. I mean, I don't uh-huh. think it would be a bad flavor necessarily, but um, yeah, it, it would definitely have more of a pronounced mineral kind of taste to it. But uh, kind of what I've noticed with that too is if if you've ever not really been able to let a deer hang or whatever and you just freeze mm-hmm. it right away yep. once you freeze it everything kind of like contracts and once it falls out you know it just rushes out of there um so i mean if, if people do yeah. hate that taste they could freeze it first that probably help what what um let's see that's a good transition larry because i want to i want to get into that when you how do you how do you wrap venison so um when you Let's say like, you know, like whole cuts. Let's say that you cut out the top round, bottom round, eye round, back strap, loin, whatever it is, you know, neck. It's the whole piece of meat. How are you wrapping it to get in your freezer? What's your method? I, I just use like a high quality freezer paper and I do a double, just kind of double roll, double mm-hmm. wrap. And uh, I used to do vacuum sealing or I do plastic wrap, then freezer. And now just an extra wrap of the freezer paper. I've got meat. I actually just had an eye around that I cooked the other day that had been in there for a year and a half. And it was just like I, you know, had put it in there. I like that. Yeah. I mean, if if you, if people wrap meat in an efficient way like that, fresh meat can last. I've had a, a, up to two years. I mean, there's no, n- nothing beats that fresh meat that's six months in the freezer or whatever, but you certainly can, um, with that. And then, and then, and then thawing, you know, thawing meat out is, isn't just the ideal way just to let it sit, you know, either in your fridge or naturally, basically naturally thaw out on, you know, on the, on the counter or in the fridge, as opposed to running it over water or, you know, any, any any other yeah method. for yeah i like just breaking mine out and putting in the fridge um or you can i would say it wouldn't really matter if you're doing like a roast or something you want to run mm. water over i do cold water but I, I wouldn't really necessarily do it for steaks you know if yeah you yeah. don't want any moisture in there to keep your steaks dry but for a roast i mean i think it's fine yeah i'm um you know i'll do it for like burger like ground burger um maybe run it you know running over uh, some like running water, not hot water because the, the ground I get made is in a, you know, watertight, um, 
you know, wrap. But as far as steak cuts, loins, tenderloins, I just if I don't if I don't plan ahead to get it out of the freezer to naturally thaw out, I'm not going to heat it up. I mean, there's just no I'm not I'm not going to add any heat to it whatsoever before it's you know time to cook. Yeah, um, yeah, that's um so. That's that makes me think about another question I've got for you. Um, you know, I've gotten to where I really like to cook a tenderloin or a bone and chop or a backstrap, high heat. You know, um, if you're if you're so, I, I want to get to you know what 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 cooking equipment you have, but at right right now I've got an egg. And I've got a black oh, yeah. stone and uh, a cast iron. That's pretty much what I'm using when I'm cooking a steak cut like that. Is there, if I'm going for like a hard sear, trying to get it real hot, um, sear the outside, keep it rare, do you see much of a difference if I have it grilling on my egg, you know, cranked up to 500 degrees or whatever it is, or if I've got the black stone or cast iron? You think it's going to really make make a difference? Yeah, I mean, in a, in a cast, I, I prefer a cast iron. I love grilled food, but I prefer a cast iron just because you can get a layer layer of yeah. fat in there and kind of get, you know, and that's not cast irons aren't necessarily even heat, but you know, some consistent even heat and a good layer of fat in there to get like a good crust. But you can get you can get a good sear on any of them, but I just prefer the uh, the cast iron with a little bit of fat in there. Yeah, that that's what I've been I've been using the cast iron more past couple of months just because it's cold and I'll get lazy. You know, it gets dark, it gets darker earlier and it's cold. I'll just stay inside and use cast iron as opposed to the blackstone. But the egg, I was doing some loins on and some chops, but it just you can get it hot, you can get it ripping with the fire, but it doesn't doesn't get that, like you said, like the crust, especially when it's sitting in the pan with the butter or whatever you have in there. The Blackstone, I like, but it just, I, it's not quite like a, a cast iron, at least how I cook. Um, I don't think I've ever used one. It, it's, um, I like them. Uh, yeah. I mean, I tell you, I've really liked doing it with, um, burgers. I've been, I've been, um, venison burgers. I like the, I prefer um, to patty the burgers real thin, just make them as thin as possible because they're going to puff up some and then just cook it real hot on the Blackstone with some, with some butter on it, maybe some oil. Cause I don't, I don't add any fat to it okay. um, because when I, when I have some processors, you know, patty up burgers, sometimes they're just, they're already a little too big, you know, fat. Yeah. And then they're going to like, you know, kind of, they're going to, they're, they're going to, you know, um, get thicker as they cook on the or blow up or whatever on the grill, and then I I find that you got to cook them longer, and then just I like to. That's at least what we've we've enjoyed lately. How do how do you do do, do you patty up many venison burgers, or what, what's your style on that? Um, I don't I don't eat a ton of ground, but what mm. I do I'm I'm about the same boat. I'll I'll do thin patties. Um, uh, I do add fat, but not a lot. Um, but yeah, I prefer thin. But you know, if I eat if 
bite a thicker burger, it's kind of like I'll treat it like a steak. I actually call them steak burgers for venison because you know there's no fat in there. I'll just kind of get yeah. a really good hard sear on there, and then most of the time I'll just put a, a pan over or, or a um, a lid over top of the pan and just kind of let them steam until about medium rare. And uh, that's how I'll do like a thicker venison burger. Yeah, that that's what I've had to do on um when I cook them on the stove, like if I'm inside, yeah. And if, and if the patties are too thick, you got to do it that way. Um, if, if, if not, it'll, it'll dry out. Um, some of these processors make, and I don't, I've gotten to where I don't, I don't have any patties made anymore. I just, I just do it myself, but some of them, they make them way too thick. So when you cook, it's just, yeah. it's, it's going to take so much longer for them to cook. And by cooking longer, you're just going to dry the meat out. Or you're just gonna yeah. over, you're just gonna overcook them. Um, yeah, especially with venison, you know, the fatty beef, or if you've got a lot of pork fat, you can kind of poke a little hole in the burger. I don't know if you've ever seen that trick. You can poke a little hole in the center, and it'll kind of help it cook even. But if you do that with a venison steak with no fat added to it, yeah, you're just gonna dry it out instantly. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. Smoking venison, is there, um, I know you've done some of that. Um, is there, I've smoked some venison, haven't done it in a while. I, in college, I used to do like a whole uh, hind quarter, just a whole ham. And I've I've had someone, someone I know tried to smoke uh, a backstrap and it just, it was, it was a bust. Is there, do you like certain cuts of meat that are smoked venison wise? Um, are there better ones or, or is that just, is it, it, is it a tough type of meat? No, it just, it just comes down to uh, the technique for mm-hmm. me. And all honestly, like if I'm going to smoke a backstrap or loin, I'm going to probably get my smoker as cold as possible where it's still producing smoke and just hit that in there and, you know, let it sit until it's about, 10 degrees away from the temperature I want and then just finish it off like in a cast iron to get a crust. Um, that to me, that comes out phenomenal. And, uh, if you want to smoke, like, let's say it's a shoulder or a neck or whatever, my method is usually backwards to a lot of people But to me, I, it's tried and true and I won't, <laughs> I won't do it the other way, but I'll, I'll braise mine first. Most people will smoke theirs first, but I'll put it in a crock pot or something. Mm-hmm. Then put it in a smoker on top of a uh, like a small sheet pan, cookie pan, and then I'll put that on at about two ten to two twenty five, and I'll just kind of base that with the liquid that was in the crock pot until you get like a nice smoke on it. And then after that, you can char it up or whatever you want. But it, um, that usually comes out phenomenal. And if you want to go one extra step, that's easy. Is after you do that, put it back in the crock pot in the liquid, cover it, and sit it in the refrigerator overnight. And oh. just let it, it'll sit there. It'll, the flavors will mature. It'll just absorb some of the liquid and uh, you can reheat it back in your smoker, just reheat it in the oven. Um, and it's, it's phenomenal. I like that. I like that. I, I need, uh, you know, I, I was about to say, I need to, I need to try some of these methods and some of your, and some of your recipes on your website, because this is usually the time of, time of year I cook more. Uh, elaborate wild game dishes uh, because hunting season is over for the most part. You know, yeah. I'm, 
That's, that sounds bad, but I'm home more on the weekends. I'm yeah. and usually like like this kind of stuff. If it's if it's any other kind of wild game dish besides like you know burgers or tacos or you know something simple, um, like I did some uh, wild turkey, um, some teriyaki wild turkey. It's marinated ch- chunks and you know something easy like that. Um, I do this all the time, but now that I've got more time in the off season is when. Um, I'll sort of do more of these dishes. I, man, one time I smoked some venison ribs and, um, it's been so long. I think I might've brined them and I think I might've put them in some, but not a marinade. It was actually far better than what I thought. Now, of course, really? the juice was kind not quite maybe worth the squeeze as far as the effort, as far as the meat. Yeah. But like the meat that was on there was pretty dang good. I mean, I, I did it on the egg, very, I was, you know, similar to like pork, pork beef ribs, but just different. Um, and, um, I don't think I saved one set of ribs, um, this, this past season. Um, because I mean, you, you want a bigger deer, but then you don't want to bust, you don't want to have bust the ribs up from your shot. And then I, I've gotten aware I love doing on the bigger deer that would work for the ribs. I like doing, um, the bone and chops and kind of leaving oh, yeah. that, that, you know, top part of the ribs. And then also, I mean, really you want a deer that's like early in the season, you know, uh, I mean, at least in my opinion, if you want to do the ribs, you want to, you know, a little more maybe meat and fat. If it's, you know, September, maybe early October, like before breeding season starts. Um, have, have you ever just, have you ever cooked anything that you just, has it ever any been any kind of cut? or dish that you just have never been able to really, you weren't really pleased with, with the results. Uh, I mean, no, like, deer, I mean old, like deer tongue or anything. <laughs> I, I tried a, uh, I've got some really old school cookbooks. I've got some like fish and game cookbooks from like the 1930s. And some of the yeah. recipes are in there or like from the 1800s. Um, the only one that I've ever cooked that I actually did not like was a, uh, cause back then they used to lard all their venison it's like this long larding needle and they would have strips of pork that you would kind of thread through back straps mm-hmm. or whatever, which is still great to do. But they had a recipe to do that with, uh, with liver. And, uh, mm-hmm. I did that with liver and, uh, you slow cook it and I can't remember what it was, wine or something, but it, it was horrible. Like I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the worst dish I've ever made. Uh, yeah, I'd never try that one again, but yeah. Yeah. I bet, I bet some of those recipes, um, are probably pretty interesting from, you know, way back then there's probably some, some ones that are still spot on. Maybe some that just have been perfected over time. I think I saw you post about that. Cause did, didn't you, didn't you take a screenshot from like a raccoon dish? It was like a raccoon yeah, that, meat or something I, like that. Yeah. I think that was from like a Hyde Park or something book. Yeah. It was like a smaller edition book, but yeah, they, they've got a bunch of funny ones in there. Those are kind of, those types of books are mostly like mom and pop. Mm-hmm. recipes that have been passed down um and then you get into like the cookbooks like where chefs you know where they were like focusing on a wild game they have like all these intricate things you got to do like wiping the meat off with like a cold towel and soaking <laughs> it and marinate it for like five days yeah, it's it's funny yeah I, I sent that uh that that raccoon recipe screenshot to my, to my cousin he, he he's a big he's in charleston too and he's or i know you're in the charleston okay. area 
he's he got in a coon hunting real hard he's got coon dogs and we, we were actually supposed to have a coon hunt in my farm this weekend but there's it's supposed to rain like all day tomorrow saturday and okay. and so we just we we postponed it he 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 has eaten some of the raccoon meat that someone else cooked but he's he actually sells them there's some people he knows that you know he can he can sell the raccoons with for more than what I would think somebody could get for them these days. Uh, but yeah, man, people, people eat them. Um, and, um, I, 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 I haven't had raccoons. I've had squirrels. Um, those are good when prepared. Right. I, I, I was telling Francis that I want to, um, maybe shoot a fox squirrel or two and try to cook one of those up. Just, just, you know, more meat, bigger, have you ever done done much with squirrels? Yeah, I cook a decent amount of squirrels. I haven't. Uh, I've never cooked a fox squirrel, but um, yeah, I, I did a lottery hunt um, in the same area, and I was it was illegal to hunt them there where I was hunting. But yeah, I was surrounded by fox squirrels. You know, and, uh, I was really t- not tempted to break the law, but tempted. Yeah. You know, like man, I wish I could eat one of these. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I saw someone I know that was around uh, the PD area in South Carolina. He was, they were hunting fox squirrels. I, I don't know the exact season. I, I think it's right now, but yeah, man, those, those squirrels, man, they'll, they'll come down a cornfield and just rip off a whole like corn stalk and just gulp a tree with it and just, just, and just eat the whole thing. I mean, those, we've got some Eastern gray squirrels at our farm, but you, you don't see many of them. It's just really? all, it's all, it's all fox squirrels. Bigger, definitely bigger, bigger animals. Um, I've got, I wanted to ask you about cube steak. I, I, I cook a lot of cube steak. Um, thankfully my wife loves wild game and, uh, my kids, as they get older, they'll start eating more and more different things. And, you know, cube steak, I, I love it. Um, I, a lot of people cook it different ways. I don't some sometimes I bread it, sometimes I won't. I don't okay. do the gravy. Um what uh do you cook much cube steak and what what are some of your favorite ways of fixing it? Yeah, I cook a decent amount. Um I don't have the I wish I had one of the attachments to do it for me. I just got like the little rectangle head hand held handheld uh, little stamper that's got the needles in it. I don't know the correct term for it, but I use one of those. Um, Just most of the time, just old school for me, man. Like I'll dust it in a little bit of mixture of like corn flour and and flour and kind of get like a super hard crust. And I'll try to cook mine pretty fast and and, and hot if I can without burning it to to leave some moisture. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll do it like that. But uh, yeah, I haven't really tried it much without the uh, without any kind of breading on it, but I'll have to try that. Yeah, I, I, um, I, man, I, what you just said, that's exactly my, that's my MO for, for, for our cube steak is cook it really hot, try to get a crust on it, but then somehow leave it tender on the inside. So it's gotta be real hot, real fast. I like to get the cast iron hot enough to where you have to have a towel or, or a pot holder on the handle, like the hand, the handle has got to get hot enough to the touch. You don't want to grip it. And, (laughs) um, yeah, every now and then I'll do something different with a cube steak. I dust it with something just to add a little bit, um, you know, change things up because because we eat so much of it. 
Yeah. I mean, I love that. Um, and that's, that's such a, that's such a quick and easy, you know, way, um, you know, dish to cook like during the week, school night, work night, whip that up. Um, have you ever experienced as far as like shot placement, because, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a hunter, I would imagine. So people know about shot placement and they know that, you know, where they shoot the deer or pig or turkey, whatever, is going to depend on how quickly they find it, blah, 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 success. But with you not only being a hunter, but then also a chef, have you noticed anything over the years as far as if you have a bad shot, maybe, maybe you shoot one in the guts. Of course, we, you know, we talked about, some of that matter, maybe soaking the tenderloin, but have you ever noticed anything that just the meat's different quality, color, texture, you know, maybe you shoot some, maybe you make, just make a bad shot, you shoot in the leg or something to where the deer's not going to expire. Yeah. For an extended period of time. I know people talk about, I shouldn't say people. Um, I, th I think I've heard a, like a meat scientist on meat eater podcast, one of the other ones talking about, you know, all the different hormones or, you know, adrenaline, you know, if, if a deer suffering for a while, I suppose an instant kill. I, you know, I, I'm not a chef, so I, I don't, I don't see anything like that. I mean, I know that the quick instant death is going to be the most efficient to one kill the animal and then everything I've always read to come across to, you know, as far as the meat. And then you hang it, you let the blood dry out. But have you noticed anything or seen anything over the years that is just anything? That no, I've, I've made, I've made bad shots before, but I don't think, um, I still, I still think they expired pretty quick. You know, I think yeah. maybe if you had a really bad shot and their adrenaline's running or super stressed out and, in that scenario, you might get some bad tasting meat, but man, I, uh, the buck I killed last December, just a, and actually just ate a steak off of it not too long ago. Um, I actually messaged you about that one, I think last year. So I shot that one at last light. Um, uh, very little blood. It was a good hit and it took me, I waited the next morning so I didn't bump it. And I was on my hands and knees blood trailing for about four hours, found it, um, it was about a two hour drive home. I ended up hanging most of the, I think I hung both of the hindquarters up and aged them. Mm -hmm. Well, I ended up getting another deer and putting it in my fridge and it kind of got my moisture content kind of got out of, out of hand. Um, we were just, I was around the holidays and I uh, went back in my fridge and some mold and stuff had grown on the hindquarters like crap, man, it's going to between that and with the mold, it's going to affect the meat. And, uh, man, I ate some of those steaks and, you couldn't tell a difference at all. Like it was zero difference, even with the, a little bit of mold and the thing sitting out every night. Yeah. Um, but it was probably about 45 degrees. It was sitting. Oh yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. I, I remember that you, you um, I mean, I, I, I tell you like looking for deer, it's, it's frustrating the ones that are hit. Cause I, we do a lot of, I do a lot of tracking in my place with, with all the guests we have. And, you know, sometimes you're tracking and you, and, and you think you're going to find the deer. There's a ton of blood and you just don't, you know, it's probably not lethal, but yeah. the ones, the track jobs you're describing, some of those, man, are just some of the most rewarding. The ones that like, you just don't give up. And like you said, you're on your hands and knees 
and um, you know, being because some of those man, it, it, it it's I had I had two does um, late December last year where it I, I I was pretty proud of myself finding them because like sometimes you'll get some blood, but it's not it's not a lot. It's a bad shot, but you're but you're thinking about the train features. You're like, you know what? Yeah. I think it was a bad shot. Might have been might, maybe in the guts. I don't think she's going to go down this way. I think she's going to try to go this way. And some of those re- recovery jobs can be pretty. It's it, as much as I don't want the animal to suffer. It can be rewarding yeah. just to kind of stick through it, grind it out, and you know find it. Yeah, this one was was kind of brutal. It was a uh, it was a good shot, but it was a it was a coastal one. It was like a jungle man, like I had trickled blood and my wife ended up having to go to work and it was two hours away. So I made a grid on, on X and just the last hour just left the blood trail and just power hiked it, you know, back mm-hmm. and forth across where I thought the blood was. And uh, I was literally getting ready to give up. I was on my hands and knees and looked up and I saw dried blood on the palmetto thing splattered and dried. And the deer was like bedded up under some uh, palmettos, probably 70 yards before I shot it, but it took me that yeah. long <laughs> to find it. Yeah. yeah. Where was the where was the shot? It was it was double line. Really? But that... the entry and exit hole was yeah, entry and exit hole was was very small and it didn't bleed much and probably eight yards from where I found it, like mm-hmm. it just opened up and sprayed blood everywhere. But before that, man, it was like literally at little tiny pieces of toilet paper that I was dropping on the way and I just got stumped. I couldn't find it. it those could be just some of the some of the hardest track jobs when uh especially like if you're in a dense area and there's really no definitive you know path of leash resistance that you would think the deer would take i mean sometimes it's and then it becomes defeating over time just like mentally you know especially oh, yeah. like if, <laughs> if, you're, if you're by yourself but i mean even if you have a buddy if your buddy's not really locked in and you know like if your buddy wants to be somewhere else they might as well not even be there but yeah just Mentally sometimes because, you know, you pull the trigger. Sometimes you know it's a bad shot immediately. Sometimes you don't and you get down, you're excited. And then all of a sudden your excitement can just plummet because, you know, you know, there's not some definitive blood trail. There's no deer at the end of it. And you're just thinking what happened. And the next thing you know, it's getting late in the day and you got to go pick up your kids or, and you start thinking about everything else. So yeah, that was, um, that was good. So what do you so what do you shoot? Are you rifle rifle only? I didn't mention a shotgun. Do you do you bow hunt? What what's your style look like? Primarily rifle. Um use a 270 and then I'll I'll bow hunt my property, bow hunt for pigs, and mm-hmm. I'll go out during bow season here, but after that, man, I don't take it out too much. It's so I mean, maybe it's my my lack of skill, but bow hunting around here on public land it just the way the features are, man, it's, it's, it's tough for me. But, um, if I go out of state, like I'll go to Utah and elk hunt and I'll go bear hunt and stuff with a boat, yeah. but, uh, around here, it's mostly gun. <laughs> man, I, I, I'm with you, Larry. I, I love bow hunting. It's exciting. I mean, you know, a fawn doe could, could, could come in at 20 yards and I'm just pumped with a bow. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's such a rush, but, you know, I'm far more lethal with a rifle and I'll, you know, 
I like killing deer. I like eating deer and I like being lethal and effective. And the, in the most effective yeah. way is with a rifle. I, I went through a phase years ago where I was really into bow hunting, trying to bow hunt more. And it was just, I just kind of wanted to, to, to do it, to have that extra level, of ch- the extra challenge, you know, and there's just, yeah. sometimes there's a stigma, you know, where if you kill a deer with a bow, it's somehow better, but man, it's just, it, you, you're, you're far more effective. I mean, there's, there's just no, there's no way of getting around it. Um, yeah. The, the places that I'm mostly hunting too, man, it's so high and I've always usually have multiple branches or something in my way from like, you know, from a clear cut kind of growing back. And man, if you have to calculate every single shot you take for hitting brush, man, it's just, it's tough. Yeah. It's yeah. That, 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 that was, I'm, I missed a, a buck uh, in 2017 and like it came in right in front of me. I was in a ground blind. So it would have been a kind of, you know, a straight on good, good angle, you know, not angled straight through, but the arrow, I think hit, uh, like a little kind of small little, uh, branch that I, I had trimmed, but I, I didn't trim enough. And I think that's what happened. My arrow shot way off and that little branch was just, you know, blow, just kind of, you know, going back and forth. And that was just, I mean, the, the buck was just teed up and as you know, whereas if I had my seven mag, it would be dead. I mean, it would have been dead right yeah. there. So it's, yeah, man, I enjoy it, but I, I enjoy killing deer much, much more than, <laughs> much more than there's, there's just so many factors with you in bow hunting. So you mentioned pigs. What, what do you, what's your broad head and where do you just straight on the head when you, when you sticking with a bow? Or what so do you, with bows, I, I, I don't attempt a, a headshot, but I'll, I use uh, iron wheels. Mm-hmm. I use a diesel, not any of that crazy front of center stuff that's been going around our past two years but i use a pretty arrow that's set up for elk or whatnot and i'll use the same ones on pigs and i'll kind of shoot them maybe about five inches behind the shirt say. and she's a kind of money spot and um, i use a standard standard eye wheel and i've got iron wheel wide so i'll use both of those and those work pretty pretty fine with me i've got about a 525 grain arrow something like that nice yeah, that's good heavy weight. Uh, that's a good, um, that's a good weight. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Some every now and then I'll see people um, shooting pigs with with bows. Um, I I see more of it, at least people posting about it on some on some of those barrier islands, you know, coastal Georgia, South Carolina. I don't know if it's if they're doing it, they kind of keep the pressure down or, you know, not, you know, let other people know or if they're allowed to or not. Do you, I know we talked a little bit before we started rolling about, you know, birds and you said that you turkey hunt some, um, what, uh, any other, do you get a quail hunt much or, um, have your, you know, woodcock or anything else? I've only quail hunted a couple of times, man. When I was younger, I just, a lot of my buddies growing up and, and now just not a lot of them are huge into bird hunting. And, uh, I just haven't put the, the effort into to figuring it all out. And honestly, but I would, I would enjoy any of it these days, as far as birds, it's mainly, mainly geese, 
uh, and turkeys and the, the whole goose thing is, I feel like it's a little bit easier and the, the meat, you know, per bird is <laughs> a little bit more. So I'm getting more meat off of them, you know, so it's kind of my, kind of my thing. Why do you think people aren't really, you know, a lot of people aren't, aren't really down with cooking geese. You think it's just a, it's just a, how they're cooking or, um, it's just kind of misunderstood meat almost I like, think wild, it's like wild pork. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people might not like it, but I, most people are like kind of treat them like pigeons. You know, they're everywhere. They're in parking lots and all this stuff. Right, so they automatically right. think they're not good, <laughs> but, but yeah, with, you know, with geese, I mean, it's really, you're mostly over undercooking the, the tough cuts, legs and thighs and you're, I mean, you're undercooking those and you're overcooking the breast. Um, you know, if you kind of treat those just, you know, kind of like you would a deer or, or a, a, even a domestic duck, you know, you're going to have far better results. But I, I think the meat's delicious. What, what are some kind of easy, you know, easier ways if someone's got a goose in the freezer and they're not really, they saved it, but they don't know anything about it. Everyone's always told them it's bad. Are there some pretty kind of good foolproof ways of of cooking a goose? Yeah, I mean, it's very tough to cook one whole. I mean, most people want to cook like a, a wild duck or even a domestic duck whole. It's very hard because you want the, the breast to still not be over medium. And it, it just doesn't work. I mean, unless you're a top tier chef and want to put in a bunch of time. But yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to do that. But yeah, I mean, treat the breast like a like a steak, you know, try to get the mm -hmm. skin crisp. Um, cook it to I wouldn't cook it any higher than medium and just treat it like that. And if you don't want to eat rare goose i mean they're phenomenal in burgers if you have a little bit of fat to them or sausage yep. and then the uh le legs and thighs sausage just some chicken stock or whatever in any season man just let it rock i mean they're phenomenal just like that you know you don't just want to overcomplicate it and stick to what you like and i think you you like it that way yeah do you do you like to keep the skin on when geese or turkeys when you're when you're saving yeah i'll meat. um turkeys uh i mean hit or miss i mean all depends um I, I don't think it's as necessary as with the goose um with with the goose i try to leave the, the skin on the breast every time and then uh i would say about a half and half i'll pluck the whole thing mm -hmm. or i'll just kind of pluck the breast and then take the breast out and then i'll peel everything out and just take the, the legs and thighs off of it. But yeah, definitely for the, for the breast, leaving the skin on. What, uh, you got any hunt, hunt plans, any, any hunts lined up the spring turkeys, or are you going to hunt public land or anything coming up on the, on the horizon? Uh, probably just turkeys around here. I'll probably do, I'll finish up small game season and maybe try to get some public land. Mm -hmm. uh it's a public land pigs with the 22 mag or something um yeah. i debated on going to spring spring bear hunt but uh I'm, I'm so busy this year man i might go on an elk hunt in the summer i might just take it easy this spring yeah yeah i i've never bear hunted i i people i've got a friend of mine that was inviting me in north georgia uh this past fall but i just couldn't make it um people people say the meat's very good I've never, I've never had bear meat. Yeah, I, I, if you like, it doesn't taste like these, but the texture and whatnot are pretty similar. So I mean, if you like, 
if you like beef, I mean, I think yeah, you'd like bear. Yeah, I I I, I would think I would. I I was at a friend's house like two weeks ago, visiting, and he had some fresh uh, elk meat, and man, he he grilled some up, and it it was um, just I mean, you know, wild elk. Venison's great, and I love venison. But man, like just uh, wild elk meat is just something different. I mean, it's just the texture, the 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 richness of the meat. You know, uh, access deer. I love access, and I, I I personally think access is like a step up from from whitetail. Elk is just something completely different. I mean, I I couldn't imagine being living out west and just having a freezer full of elk meat. Um, yeah. I mean, I, and, and I'm not knocking whitetail, but when I, I've been access, access hunting twice and, you know, elk hunting, but just like, I can tell the difference in like ground access meat. Like if I'm making burgers or something like really? that, then like, you know, ground, ground whitetail, just, just a richer kind of, it's kind of drifting a little bit towards elk, but man, elk is just some of the finest meat, um, out there, I think at least. Well, uh, can you tell, so what you can you tell us a little bit about your website, Wild Game Gourmet? Um, if people yeah, if, if people aren't familiar with that, yeah, it's a, a wild game cooking website, and I'm uh, I've got a ton of recipes from kind of basic to some of them are, I guess, a bit more complicated if you're. But we can website out. Um, pretty easy to navigate it. Uh, a lot of it's categorized by cuts. And uh, right now it's got, uh, venison, wild pigs, turkey, geese. Um, I'm adding squirrel and some other things on there. Um, and then I think I'm going to just for the request and, uh, and for, for me, man, during deer season, I, uh, I ended up, I ended up eating less venison cause I'm so busy and hunting as much as I can. I'm going to put a, a slow cooker section on there for people to like, have recipes that are just they're not mom and pop recipes a little bit of yeah. elevated recipes you can use for your crock pot um i feel like that's for me that's money or will be money during the hunting season because i don't have to worry about you know cooking food all the time you know just come home and have a, a pretty good meal waiting on me yeah that's a that's a real good idea man just one of those kind of set it and forget it uh i forget what slogan that that was like uh that was from some like cooking equipment, like from the nineties, like set it, set it and forget it. But yeah, actually, I remember hearing that. I forget what it was. It wasn't the form of obviously the form and the, the old, have you ever cut a piece of venison on a George Foreman grill? No. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, had, I, I, I had a couple up. of those. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, I used to cook a lot of Bubba burgers on those when I was younger. Yeah, those, those frozen. Oh, yeah. In college, I think I went through about three of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those uh, those things <laughs> kind of died off. But yeah, man, those are those are perfect. You know, for like families, just put some meat in the slow, you know, crock pot, slow cook or whatever. You know, covered liquid or put whatever in there and just let it. You just let it sit all day. And and I I, I personally think those are good meals for people that aren't really like maybe in love with the idea of wild game, you know, I mean like kids or someone, because when you break down meat like that, it, it's going to taste however you season it or prep it or put it in there. Meaning if it's like a 
bottom top round roast. It's going to be like a pot. It's going to eat, eat like a, you know, beef pot roast. It, it's going to break down and, and, and it's a good, um, but yeah, I would implore everyone to check out your website. Um, I saw how, I saw how you revamped it. You've always got cool stuff on there. Um, I've been one of these days I'm, I'm going to try one of those smoking a hind quarter, making pastrami or one of those type of what, one of those type of cooks, um, one of those type of cuts and, and, and recipes. And I saw you posted this week, a, a, a pizza dish. It was like a sausage pizza. Oh, it was just, um, that was actually a crock pot meal. I did barbecue, uh, just a classic Mexican barbacoa and a crock yeah. pot. And I, I use that. Um, I had left, it's, it's kind of what I'll do during the week is I have kids, you know, I'll, I'll uh-huh. batch cook something like that and make, so I barbecue a pizza. I'll just do something random with it. You know, three different meals off of one crock pot. Yeah. Well, that, that looked phenomenal. I mean, one of the best things you do, Larry, is you, you take really good photos of, of your food. So not only does the food, oh, uh, like the recipe look good, but you take really good high quality photos, which makes it look even 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 a bit better but yeah i mean I, I would so where can people find you uh i'm mostly active on instagram and it's uh find there larry white um and my website man uh the wild game gourmet.com uh i'm not really active on facebook or anything else so those would be the, the two primary ones yeah man i i appreciate you appreciate you being on uh larry i i've always enjoyed following you watching you watching recipes and then also how you hunt. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, I, I, I enjoy following, following hunters. They, you know, get out there, get after it in the, you know, dense Southeast and, you know, grind it out and have success. Um, I use um, a lot of your, your tips, man, like have helped me even, even if you're talking about managing a, a private chunk of land, I can find those features somewhat for what the forest service has done and hunt those. I mean, your, your content has helped me, uh, leaps and bounds. Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. I, I, you know, I I try to, I try not to get like too heavy on like the biology side or the wildlife management side. Cause I know everyone's not into that or they're not managing land, but man, some of that stuff, I mean, I know, you know, this, but like when you hear people talk about, you know, like, like like research pigs or deer whether it's the actual you know biology side of the species or the habitat side about what they need or what they're doing any any part of the year i mean uh mississippi state just they just put out that publication about buck movement and they put out two podcasts on the on the msu deer lab breaking down that podcast breaking down that publication on buck movement and it's all based on GPS collar studies on bucks and how they move and what they're doing during the fall and specifically the breeding season. And I know some people might not want to nerd out in that kind of biology type level, but man, that's how you kill. I mean, that's, you know, you, you can yeah, definitely, I mean, I, I think that side is more important than all the, you know, tactics about this weather condition and you know all the little side stuff because at the end of the day man i mean you've got to speak more you know we're hunting species that are out in the wild 24 7 that's where they live and they're just trying to survive so i appreciate that and i appreciate you being on larry it's been a lot of fun yeah man thanks for having me on absolutely everybody follow larry white 
Um, what's your handle on on Instagram? Uh, it's just Larry White. It's got uh, two two spaces. So Larry, two spaces White, and uh, you'll you'll see me on there. It's a uh, I'll have like a chef apron on or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, I implore everyone to follow him. You post a lot of good content, and it's a lot of good. Uh, and I've cut a lot of it, and and it's um, it's you've been a big inspiration for me. So appreciate it, Larry. Thanks for being on. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see y'all next week.